Welcome to Fertility Cafe, the home for every conversation exploring alternative family building through IVF, surrogacy, egg, sperm, and embryo donation. Our host, Eloise Drain, alternates episodes between educational shows covering specific topics and guest narratives for further insight. For a mastery, understanding, and confidence in all things alternative family, subscribe to Fertility Cafe. Hey there, welcome to episode 83 of Fertility Cafe. In this episode, we'll be talking about the prohibitive cost of surrogacy and how it inspired one Atlanta couple, Zach and Alexandra French, to do something about it. After going through the surrogacy process themselves, the Frenches were shocked to see how prohibitively expensive the road of third-party reproduction can be. Curious about what grants existed for the cost of surrogacy, they soon realized that none existed. Zach and Alexandria saw that there was a huge underserved population who would never have access to the same options that they were able to pursue. Gift of Surrogacy Foundation is a charitable organization that is committed not only to sponsoring the cost of couples working with surrogates, but also to raising awareness about the lack of family building opportunities for people that cannot conceive using traditional methods. In this episode, we'll talk to Zach about the cost-prohibitive nature of surrogacy, his inspiration for starting Gift of Surrogacy, and what needs to change in the industry and in our society to make having a family possible for everyone. I'm really excited to welcome Zach to the show today. Zach, it's so great to have you join me today. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here, Eloise. This has been uh, a good relationship that I have built with you in a short amount of time, and I'm excited to be on the podcast. Awesome. So I'm going to jump right in and ask the first question is to share your story and share your surrogacy experience. Yeah, absolutely. So before I got to the surrogacy journey, I have always been kind of on this personal mission to give back. It's been ingrained in me since I was a little boy. Me and my parents used to go and volunteer a couple times a year. Every year during, I'm Jewish, and every year during Hanukkah, we would take one day out of Hanukkah and we'd go out and we'd go to serve homeless people food. And it just, from a young age, it was all about this word sadaka, which is uh, the Hebrew word for giving back. And so as I grew up, I started to get more involved with charities. I was a big brother for seven years was lucky to watch my little brother graduate down in Southwest Atlanta when he turned 18, which is crazy. Made me feel very old. <laughs> I participated in a few charities around the, the Jewish religion. I've participated in some charities around people that have been nonviolent criminal offenders. Um, so when the story did come about for Gift of Surrogacy, it just made sense for me. Because it also kind of wrapped in like another thing that I've been doing for my entire life, which is building better connections for thriving ecosystems. And surrogacy is quite the ecosystem, as I started to realize. So in 2019 was where the surrogacy journey kind of began. That's when my wife was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. We were laying in bed one night and she felt a lump in her breast. At the time, obviously, we were very scared. I was also studying for the bar exam. And my wife being the tough person that she is, she turned over to me. She goes, you're not coming to a single appointment until you go past the bar and I'm going to take care of this. And I was like, okay. And so she went through the first month of her journey with my parents and her parents. I mean, as soon as I was done with the bar exam, uh, I was able to be there for her. She successfully went through chemo, radiation, and a double mastectomy. 
And when they were doing her double mastectomy, they found another type of cancer in her lymph nodes that was progesterone and estrogen positive, which basically sealed the deal on the fact that we would not be able to produce children the natural way. Luckily, her surgical oncologist had the foresight before she started any treatment to tell us that we needed to freeze, or, well, retrieve eggs, but also freeze and genetically test our embryos. So we had done that ahead of time. So when she got done with treatment, we started our surrogacy journey. We contacted a local agency. We went into the local agency and learned about the three buckets, as they call them, that make up the surrogacy journey. And we also learned that it was very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and there's a lot of uncertainty. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um you want to share what those three buckets were? Yeah, absolutely. So there is the bucket for the surrogate. The surrogate is compensated for their time, and rightfully so. And they're also provided a certain stipend through an escrow account where that covers some of their extra expenses that occur during a pregnancy. There is the payment for the legal fees and agency fees. At our agency, the, the legal fees and agency fees were lumped together because lawyers were at the agency. And then there are the medical fees. So that is for the embryo transfer and for the medical screening. We went on that journey. Uh, we were very fortunate that we could afford it. We had family and friends that helped us out. But we quickly realized that a lot of people really can't afford it. It was over $120,000 when all was said and done. And so after we had our baby girl, Addison, a year and a half ago, we started to think how we could give back after going through this journey. And that's where we came up with Gift of Surrogacy Foundation. Awesome. So for your own journey specifically, did you guys have insurance benefits that covered anything for third-party reproduction? No, we did not. And and unfortunately, and I know obviously you're in Atlanta. Unfortunately, Georgia is one of the worst states when it comes to insurance coverage for anything fertility related, let alone anything third party reproduction related. So, and funny enough, so I worked for a San Francisco based software company at the time. Mm -hmm. And we had kind of poked the bear, if you will. And I had asked them about it before we knew any of this was happening because my wife was a carrier for Fragile X. And we wanted to see if there was any support for any type of infertility related issues. And while we interviewed a lot of different, you know, companies that do provide that, my company at the time, which, you know, based in San Francisco, kind of forward thinking still did not have anything to help us cover those costs. Well, and I think for a lot of companies, really fertility care have not been the for, in the forefront of their minds as an organization. No. You know, I think a lot of people still think of fertility care as something that's behind closed doors, don't really get involved. And it's really something that is a desire, not a, a medical necessity. And I think until corporations and companies start actually reconsidering that fertility care is just as much needed as, you know, if somebody was diabetic or if somebody even needed a kidney, right? They would actually pay for the kidney donor and the recipient. And I know that because I have that firsthand experience that they, my cousin's insurance covered my entire care, 
when I gave him a kidney 24 years ago. So the fact that we're still having this conversation that insurance benefits won't cover anything. I mean, half of the insurance companies, and it's not necessarily the companies. What people need to understand, too, is that it's the organizations and the companies within themselves they're the ones who dictate to the insurance company what we are willing to pay this, pay that, or whatever, whatever. And I know, I'm sorry, I can go on a tangent about the whole insurance benefits or whatever, but it just, it's frustrating, especially when you're talking about somebody with cancer and having to have to go this route to have children. And you still don't think that that is a requirement that you should cover. I mean, there's just, I think there's an incentive misalignment, right? A lot of these insurance companies and various organizations are incentivized to keep costs as low as possible. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I only know what reason fertility is not considered something that is necessary to someone's life. I thought you had the right to grow your family whenever you feel like it. But according to the trend, even, I mean, it's not like it's getting better. It doesn't seem like it's getting any better. In fact, it seems like A lot of this stuff is getting worse, that it's all these startups and all these uh, new companies like Progeny and Carrot that are having to be started to try and help with this stuff. It's not the old companies adopting new ways. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. So in our agency and my own life, having been a surrogate three times, I always refer to it as a gift. So I really love your name because obviously beyond the financial support, surrogacy is a gift on a much deeper level. So my question is, why did you start the gift of surrogacy and why the name? Like I kind of alluded to earlier, we were super fortunate. We had a family, like our our family, when Alex was going through her, Alexandra was going through her journey, they actually formed like a committee to help us, right? To make sure that we did not have to worry about getting food together or any of this kind of stuff. And we had all the support. So when we got done, we were wondering, how do we give back? because not everybody has that, right? Breast cancer has a lot of support, thank God, right? There's a lot of organizations out there that support all facets of the the cancer journey. But when we started to look around after our surrogacy journey for grants, there was nobody. And there was not a single organization that we could find that covered grants for the full cost of surrogacy. And so we found that to be our opportunity Mm -hmm. to make an impact. and. The reason that we decided on the brand and the name that we came up with was because all we could think about was this like one line kept running in our heads, which was medical issues take so much from people. Why should it take away your ability to have a family Mm -hmm. and the gift of life, Mm -hmm. right? The gift of life is one of the most common things that just kept popping up in our heads. And we were like, you know what? Maybe we can give the gift of surrogacy to somebody in that same light and be that first organization to offer the the full grant for the cost of surrogacy. Now that quickly blossomed as we got to learn more about the organization and how we were going to raise money and stuff like that. We attended a seeds conference uh, in November of last year in Nashville. And we learned that financial support was a good start, but the entire ecosystem needed more support there. So we added an education arm to our program. And we also added a support arm where we're going to have support groups for people that are going through the process. Because even if you don't need financial support, sometimes you just need someone to talk to. You need someone to talk to that can absolutely understand the 
the emotional ups and downs of surrogacy, because I think, you know, you get to a point where, okay, it's like, oh, wow. Okay. I finally, uh, okay. Now I know I need to have a, uh, you know, work with the surrogate and now I, I have my surrogate and now I need to start this process. And all of those emotional roller coasters doesn't go away. You know, it doesn't go away until that baby's home. And it's, it can be, uh, it can be a challenge. It can. I've, I figured that out firsthand when we were going through our journey. I mean, you go into it and you're like, okay, we have to do this because we want to grow our family. And then you start to realize the kinds of things that you have to discuss with your surrogate, with your agency. And it's very personal. Mm-hmm. The kinds of stuff that goes into a contract, who makes decisions on different severities of, of health issues with the baby, with the mom. I mean, this, this is not lighthearted stuff. This is, this is actually trying to give life to somebody and it's through someone else. So there's all kinds of screening processes that you have to go through to make sure that you're ready and that the surrogate is ready. I have to say, like, I, I was kind of like pleasantly ignorant when I started the process and afterwards is when I realized that this is, this is heavy. There's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff to take in. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the the grant specifically. What's the process for families looking for a grant and what does it all entail? Absolutely. So I think earlier I referred back to those three buckets that we saw as kind of like the basic costs of surrogacy. So that was kind of our goal. We wanted to raise enough money to cover those costs, the cost of the surrogate, the cost of the agency and legal costs, and then the medical costs. Um, So what we did is we were like, okay, how can we raise over $100,000 to get to that point? Well, Alexandra and I, uh, before we had kids, were really good at throwing parties. And we were like, why don't we just throw a really fun party? And you know what? Charity galas suck, frankly. They're very stuffy. Everybody's like, trying to see who's sitting at the table closest to the stage because they paid the most and da, da 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 Let's make this a fun party. Let's make it an anti-gala gala. And so it was, you know, general admission. Yes, we had sponsorships, but we had no private tables. We had a band, we had a DJ, we had a huge silent auction. And we're like, you know what? If people have a good time, then they're going to want to give to our cause. There wasn't just posted all over the room, even gift of surrogacy. We just wanted people to come into the room and just feel like they were having, going to another party. And then when we told our story, then they could decide if they wanted to support our cause. We came out of that in February 4th, 2023, this year, raising $160,000. And we're able, yeah, I mean, (laughs) but it was updated in real time to the software we were using. And I showed Alexandra when it happened and I was just like, babe, look, and (laughs) it was such a good feeling. And so we raised the money and then came the fun part of the process, if you will, which is like, now we need to give this to somebody. So the first thing that we did, we started to look through applications from other foundations that gave for infertility. There was one other organization, Men Having Babies, that offers surrogacy grants as well, trying to figure out what good criteria would be for the grant. And then also we had to figure out who was going to review it because Alexandra and I, we are very new, frankly, to this. We figured that out at Seeds. There's people like yourself, Eloise, that have been fighting this fight for 20 plus years, mm-hmm. right? trying to make surrogacy go mainstream, if you will. And so we had a lot to learn. And so we tapped local Atlanta resources. We have four reproductive endocrinologists on a review committee. We have one local lawyer on the review committee. We have a local psychologist on the review committee who specializes in surrogacy. 
And now we are assembling a few financial individuals for the review committee. And when this episode airs, the application will be live, which will be pretty fantastic. We're going to keep the application open for 90 days. There's a few eligibility criteria, along with being a, a U.S. citizen. Our intended parents this year are going to be limited to state of Georgia residents. Um, we're going to require that you have three euploid genetically tested embryos already frozen before you apply. And then once you're filling out the application, there's really three main components. There's a personal statement. So tell us your story. Tell us why you want the grant. Then there's a financial aspect. And yes, we're going to ask a lot of questions. We have to make sure that this is the right person for this. There are certain uh, costs that may come up that we don't cover so that, that you may have to absorb some of those. We hope that does not happen, but that is possible. Uh, and then there's the medical side. You know, how old were you when the eggs were frozen or when the embryos were frozen and, and all that? So there's a lot of considerations there that we're going to pass to the medical committee. Now, after they have a chance to review those, we're actually going to select three to five finalists because we want to have the opportunity to interview those individuals and ask any follow-up questions that we feel like weren't covered in the application. So after about four to six week review period, we're going to call those three to five individuals. There's going to be a criminal background check that's going to be required at that stage. And then we'll ask those follow-up questions before we select our, our final uh, grantee. How does it work with finding the surrogate? Do they get to choose? Like, how is that whole thing, that process going to look like? So since we are a nonprofit, we one of the things that we have to consider is letting our dollars go as far as possible. We're going to be trying to work with local agencies in the state of Georgia that can provide us with you know, specialized pricing for something like this. So we're going to kind of defer to the agencies that help us in order to select that. Now, the, cl the clinics can get a little bit more complicated. I know there's some restrictions around embryo transfers and stuff like that. So if they have already frozen their embryos and they are already at a clinic, then you know we may have to kind of work with that clinic. But when it comes to the agency, we're going to kind of work with them through the agency to make sure that this surrogate goes through all the proper screening and make sure that it's a good fit. Okay, perfect. So they do have a say as to who's going to carry for them. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. With organizations like yours paving the way, what are your hopes for making family building a more equitable playing field? Yeah, it's that's an interesting question. I know you kind of touched on the behind closed doors aspect of fertility. And I would say that if fertility is behind a closed door, then surrogacy is behind 10 closed doors inside mm. a vault, inside mm. a vault. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, five to seven years ago, I think fertility was in that vault as well. So at least we're kind of making our way out. So our hopes with this is that we can make surrogacy go mainstream. Because I think a lot of people have a lot of legitimate medical reasons that they cannot have children. And frankly, a lot of the experiences that I've heard in other instances around like foster care and adoption is really hard to navigate. So we want this to be considered a legitimate option for almost anyone. And that's going to take paving the road a long way. The financial grants are great, but from our standpoint, why do we have to start an organization? Why is there not government help for something mm. like this? Why is there not insurance help for something mm. like this, right? We love that we're doing it, but at the same time, it's going to take a lot of lobbying, going to Resolve Advocacy Day, which we're training for right now, to try and get the word out about how important it is and how prevalent infertility is. 
such that surrogacy should be something that's being considered in terms of financial support for this side. I mean, the latest data actually just came out like a few weeks ago, one in six adults yeah. now suffer from infertility, according yeah. to the World Health Organization. Yeah, and that's scary. That. Yeah, it is scary. And what's more scary is that infertility is growing at such a rapid rate because just a couple of years ago, we used to say it was one in 10 and then it went from one in eight and now it's, you know, one in six. And it's just like, well, when are people going to start paying attention to what is actually causing? It's like, yeah, we can keep putting the Band-Aid on the, you know, wound as it comes, but why not work to try to figure out, well, how is it even getting created? Like, let's look at those issues. And I mean, an environment clearly is significant. I mean, the things that we're dealing with now that even 10 years ago, when we weren't dealing with is just, it's wild. So it's just, yeah, like I, I can't agree with you more. One thing came to mind when you were talking there, we're treating the symptoms, not the cause. Yeah. Right. Yeah, uh, and nobody knows what the cause is. I mean, there's a lot of studies that are being published. I think someone was telling me yesterday that polyester boxer briefs may yeah. cause a, a reduction in sperm count. So, you know, how true is that? We don't know, but mm. that just shows you how spread out Fast. the data is right now. Yeah. We we need to be funding real studies with the NIH, with legitimate organizations so that we can figure out the cause of this and start treating it there. But um, we're not going to be able to do that until, quite frankly, society starts looking at this as a real significant problem. Mm -hmm. And it's not just people dealing with infertility. I mean, it's look at the amount of people that are having cancer and that can't have a pregnancy because you're you can't bring a child into an environment that's already toxic and is getting toxic chemicals in the body to kill these diseases. So you don't want to introduce a child into that environment. So you have to like, or well, the LGBTQ community where they can't, I mean, I don't have an option. I don't have a uterus to carry a pregnancy. So therefore I need the help. It's more than just infertility. And that's where insurance companies need to step up and actually stop worrying more about their bottom line and actually start worrying more about patient care and the yeah. needs of what we're going through as a society. So, okay, I'm going to get off my tangent. No, but that's, I mean, it's a really good point. I mean, if, if, if I was to summarize that, I'd say that we, the, the insurance companies need to meet us where we are. Yeah. Right. It isn't about how things have gone in the past. It's yeah. how they are right now. That's and right. right now, That's a right. lot of people cannot grow families and our population is declining, which we yes. need. Like, okay, let's let's get basic here. We need more bodies on this earth for the earth to keep growing. Mm -hmm. Right. And we can't keep doing that if the infertility rates go up. I got to hear a story the other day that really disturbed me, which was we have friends who are thinking about having a third child. And they're no longer having that third child because these kids, so many of their kid, friends' kids were suffering from so many different diseases and issues mm -hmm. and going mm -hmm. to the hospital. So mm -hmm. yes, that's not a, even infertility, right? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. in quotes, it is people suffering because of something in the environment around us that is causing us to not have any babies or not healthy babies. Yeah, or not healthy babies. Yeah, because I mean, the amount of children now that having problems and I mean, literally coming out of the womb with cancer mm -hmm. or I mean, just let's just look at autism for a second and the 
enormous amount of children that are now dealing with autism. It's like, what, how? This is, you know, in the last, again, and I keep saying 10 years, but, you know, it's probably much more long. It's longer than that. But how it's become such a humongous problem. And and then when you see that, you know, insurance, well, we're not going to cover that. No, 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 we don't cover that either. Yeah, no, no, that's not a that's not an issue that we would cover. It's just like, well, what's the point? What, what purpose are you serving except taking my my money every single month for a premium yeah. and then telling me you're not going to cover my services that I need? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's even on basic medical needs, you're starting to see more and more no's. So there's got to be some sort of incentive alignment change, whether it's government subsidies or what, or a change in the in the models of these insurance companies so that they are incentivized to do their own discovery around what are the problems that people are facing right now? Because mm-hmm. this is a major one, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. And those are the ones that they should be protecting against. Now, look, I get they have to run their actuarial models and likelihoods and all of that, but do it, right? Yeah. Like yeah. that doesn't mean that you should just exempt it from coverage. Yeah. Right? That's right. Someone That's right. that goes through surrogacy may incur an additional cost of what $30,000 to go get insurance to cover surrogacy. That is insane. Yep. Why? Because majority of surrogates actually have their own medical insurance, but the insurance companies have added exclusions onto their policy so they won't cover their care. That's why. It's not because these women don't have insurance. It's just that her insurance won't cover it. So, I mean, quite honestly, the way I think of it is between the entire government body in this country and in all insurance companies, they just need to all go away. We need to start over from scratch. Like, let's just just (laughs) let's just start over from scratch from the Constitution on down. Let's go. (laughs) By the way, you didn't know this, folks, but as you're listening to the show, Eloise and I are rewriting the Constitution. Yes, that's right. That's right. (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) yeah so it's yeah it's uh, unfortunately i know we us individuals we can sit here and we can talk about all of these things but until we come together as a collective and we really start making our voices heard and one of the reasons why you know wanted to do this podcast and start making our voices heard and getting it louder and louder that's when action is finally going to start happening so Yeah, they'll be able to take tidbits of this podcast, ideally, and use it as evidence to pass new congressional legislative God uh, willing rules. Yeah, I mean, hopefully from from your mouth to God's ears. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm learning all about the advocacy right now. That's right. That's right. So for anyone listening who wants to do something, how can they get involved? Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to reach us uh, at Gift of Surrogacy Foundation, Whether you are unable to afford surrogacy, whether you're about to go through a surrogacy process, or you've been diagnosed with a medical illness that may lead to a necessity for surrogacy, we are here to support you. You can visit our website at giftofsurrogacyfoundation.org. We have some information there. You can input your email, contact us. We love to talk to, we talk to people all the time. We realize that this is a really tough journey for people. And so we're here to kind of cover that educational, that support, and that financial side of the surrogacy industry. And the other thing is, is, you know, I alluded to this earlier, surrogacy is just one part of the little ecosystem. We're here to help 
make that more prominent, but there's other parts of this ecosystem. So if you aren't sure who to reach out to, and you just happen to come to our website, call us because we're starting to meet wonderful people like Eloise, people like Richard Westaby, who's been a huge help to us in this whole entire journey, Lynn Goldman here in Atlanta, that are able to direct you to the right people. So we just want to be a, a resource to everybody that, that needs it. Yep, absolutely. Well, thank you, Zach, for being on the show with me today. And we'll be adding information and a link for gift to surrogacy in our show notes so people can easily get access. But Thank you for your time. And I am excited to see who the first family is going to be that's going to get this grant and what that's going to look like, because that's going to be truly amazing. We can't wait. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this episode helpful, please rate Fertility Cafe on your favorite listening platform and share this episode with anyone you think could benefit from hearing it. Tune in next week for another amazing episode on Fertility Cafe. Until then, remember, love has no limits. Neither should parenthood.